Thank you so much for joining me today on Just Praise Him Radio. I'm your host, Linda Lomax, and my job is to inspire you to a closer walk with Christ. Now here's the show. Hello, believers. Welcome to the Just Praise Him radio show. I'm your host, Glenda Lomax, and the title of today's message is The Judgment of Nations. It's part three of the series that I've been doing with Ray Bergman of Innocence Redeemed, and it's about how can we know the order of what's coming. For those of you new to this series, last month, Ray Bergman and I presented part two, which was titled Defeating the Enemy's Lies. This week, we want to talk to you about the possible order that the judgments roll out in. And stay tuned as there will also be words for some unknown listeners uh, in this episode. I think you'll like that. So I have back with me on the program, Ray Bergman from Innocence Redeemed. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thank you, Glenda. It's always great being here. And you know, it's been clear for a while now that things are going downhill, if not by the day, then weekly. Yeah, I agree. Well, it's always great having you back. Okay, so to get started, we want to take a look at Revelation chapter 6. We're going to talk about the first seal, which is the conqueror. Verse 6, Now I saw that when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And a crown was given to him. A crown is given to someone when they ascend to power and they have new authority. So this is a man who will ascend to power and begin conquering is what I'm thinking. My guess would be nations would be what he would conquer. And you know, back in the 1940s, it was strongly believed that Hitler was the conqueror. And I think here we could be looking for someone like that who just wages war and takes territory right and left. I think this will be a person and He will be a leader with a very fierce army behind him or some kind of over-the-top military ability. During the COVID outbreak, people were saying that because corona means crown, that COVID was the conqueror, but God's spirit in me never bore witness with that. What do you think, Ray? You know, to a degree, yes, it did, but that was just the beginning stages or the trial run, if you will. Really, it had begun before that. I'm going to lay that out, Glenda, but we have to remember, too, that the Lord's people overcome this persecution, so we can't stand in fear of speaking truth for him boldly. If you cross-reference Revelation 6-2, you get Revelation 15-2, which says, And I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire, and those who have the victory over the beast, over his image, and over his mark, and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God— So clearly, for the Lord's people to have victory, that would mean that, yes, the white horse indicates the AC or those with the spirit of Antichrist, that the saints would overcome by their faith. And Revelation 14.12 says exactly that. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Wow, I agree with that. And you know, Glenda, when the Lord gave me the message that the white horse was writing, he said... They are coming for my people. All anyone has to do is look around and be observant that persecution has been coming into the forefront now. I mean, it's in the news, talked about like it's completely normal. Like, we're just going to censor you, we're just going to do this. And you would think that people would be up in arms, but 
for the most part, it's almost being overlooked. So for anyone saying, oh, well, that can't happen or that won't happen, you only have to look at history and then also discern never has leadership said such outrageous things. And we're not even in the... That's for sure. Yeah. And we're not even in the thick of it yet. And eventually their plan is to come right out and outlaw Christianity. Now, what plan they're going to use to implement that exactly, that's anyone's guess, but you see the groundwork being laid and... It will be easy, given that many support such abominations now. We've been seeing so much of that. The judgments, in other words, are going forward. The conqueror is allowed to be going forward. Because we are a nation that's been given over to judgment. I completely agree. And I would just like to interject some things real quick that I've been thinking about. In order to outlaw Christianity and put out the bounty on killing Christians that I've seen is coming... They will have to make us look like real haters. And I saw in a vision some time back, a smiling woman showing the body of a Christian she had killed and the news reporter standing beside her gleefully saying, more haters eliminated today for a better America. And it was on, in the vision, I could see it was on one of the main news channels like CNN or one of the big ones like, you know, that they all cheer it on and it becomes a sport to hunt down and kill the last of the Christians. I remember when you got that. Now, this is when most of us are already gone. I want to note that. In the end, whoever kills us gets the, quote, bounty of whatever we own, which is most likely nothing by that point, because I've also already seen that they outlaw. At some point, when the persecution gets really intense, they're going to outlaw anyone giving us food or helping us or giving us shelter. This is the goal of the Antichrist, to destroy all of us who believe. Then he will destroy all of them, but they don't realize that because all of mankind is created in God's image. But another thing that will become a thing is hybridizing humans. They're going to create modules of knowledge, education chips that are implanted into human brains. And I wonder sometimes if that is the mark now that I think of it, because, you know, I've been seeing this for years and they make colleges obsolete. Whatever education you want to get, you just go buy that module and they clip it into your brain. Those who are hybridized look down on those of us who don't have the modules. And eventually, so does everyone else. So maybe that is the Antichrist trying to recreate what God has already created in his, the Antichrist image. It's going to get ugly and it's ugly enough already. I think we can all agree on that. I have not talked much about all of these things I've seen because they're not really very nice to think about. And we are already under so much stress that I hate to add more. But my job is to inform you of what the Lord our God has made known to me. They also plan to say anyone who does not have the mark, any minor children you have will be taken by the government and educated by them. They will declare parents unfit who do not bow down to the devil's mark. Yes, and in a way, Glenda they're already test piloting that or have been. It's already by way of mandates being made. Didn't take the jab, can't attend school. In the same way, it'll come with everything else soon, to buy, to sell, to work. And we've discussed this before. And all of that in the last few years was a test run. And when I prayed on that at the time, what the Lord revealed to me was that that was an experiment one of which so many complied with and are now facing the consequences of their decision. You see, all control like this always starts in a subtle way 
to sound reasonable, but once you trade a little freedom for security or whatever else, it only leads to more because evil never stops. It always takes everything from you. And that's exactly how Satan works. In the end, you end up with not freedom or anything. You know, Benjamin Franklin, he even once said, those who give up freedom for safety deserve neither. Wow. And in a very similar way, and as it pertains to the word, those who take the mark for the sake of convenience or a false illusion, which, you know, being of Satan, that's exactly what the lie will be, shall not inherit eternal life with Jesus. And by the way, you won't have any of the things the evil one or those of him promise to you either. If you take that mark for any reason, it doesn't matter the excuse. You cannot repent from that. And then yet will be another consequence in your decision, a grave one at that. Anyone telling you that you can repent, well, let's just say you need to run away from them. And I mean far, far away. You know, let's make it clear here by reading from Revelation 14, specifically verses 9 through 12. And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation. And he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. Now, for new listeners, new believers, the Lamb being Jesus, and that he will have no mercy on anyone who trades him to follow the beast or engage in his system by taking that mark. So you essentially, if you do that, you may as well be telling the Lord you don't love him if you're willing to betray him like that. But going on, verse 11, And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever, and they have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. So it's important to mention that because they are going to do everything they can to get people to deny the Lord. And you know, Jesus said, quoting Matthew 16, 26, what does a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, I hope for anyone listening, it doesn't matter who you are. Consider that if you think you're going to somehow go along with the world by taking the mark to participate in commerce or anything else and then repent later, you have another thing coming. I just spoke on committing adultery on the Lord, but just for the record, I'll quote James 4.4. 4. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Can I say something real quick? Yeah. I was so shocked to find out, I think it was last year, that there are actually people out there preaching that if you take the mark, you can repent. And I want to be sure that we that y'all understand, we're not saying the jab is the mark. We're not, because we're talking about two of them at the same time. But when the mark comes out, if you take it, there is no repenting from that one that is the actual mark. And anyone who's teaching you that is deceived themselves. You are responsible to study the Word of God and figure this out for yourself. And if you read the book of Revelation, it will explain it all. And just read and listen to however many sermons you have to. You have to make your own decision. Nobody can make that one for you. If you take someone's word for that and they are wrong, you are still responsible. You will still suffer the same consequences. So I, I just want to be sure y'all understand that. I don't want to mislead you in any way. 
Okay. There are many out there, Glenda, who do believe it's the mark, but we've always said, you and I have talked about this before, it may as well have been, because what it was was a trial run for their agenda, what they're ultimately planning. Yes, it was. I felt that in my spirit very strongly. And so, you know, going back, Glenda, to what we were uh, just talking about a moment ago, this spirit, this Antichrist spirit, which is occupying many, has become so evident. And speaking of things to come, it's an echo of what's to come. They've been laying the groundwork for quite some time now. And what the church needs to understand is that the bigger the revelation, the earlier out the Lord gives it to his prophets. But the bottom line in all of this is that the Lord's people are called to endure the persecution. This is the first reason you need to know where you are with the Lord right now, because you're going to be forced to choose a side. Remember, Jesus said, quoting Luke 11.23, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. The first part of that verse is pretty clear in and of itself. But what does Jesus mean when he says, He who does not gather with me scatters? What does that verse say to the listening audience? Well, it all falls under a divided house. That's your first hint. Why is that important? Well, because it goes right back to the persecution, and there are separations occurring right now. If everyone were for the Lord, they wouldn't run others under the bus in the last days. Remember, Jesus said that many would betray, that many would kill, and that the day would come when those who kill you think they would be doing God a favor. And that's paraphrasing John 16 too, which also indicates a misled church that they will put you out of the synagogues. Why? Because they haven't been given sound doctrine. In what I've seen, much of the end times are avoided or sin just simply isn't talked about because it's not popular. You know, Glenda, there was an article, as a matter of fact, just the other day about a church in Ireland where the priest actually stood up and spoke about the many sins and abominations and that taking part in those sins would lead you to hell. And several people got up and walked out of the church. Oh, well. Yeah, and no doubt someone likely filed a complaint because then a day or so later, the local bishop apologized and actually said the message preached did not represent the Christian position. He better speak for himself. He's not speaking for my position. Uh, amen to that, exactly. And when I saw it, I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, I agree. Proverbs 17, verse 15 says, He who justifies the wicked and he who condemns the just, both of them alike are an abomination to the Lord. Amen. So that verse right there is so serious on its own. But Glinda, do I even mention what the word says will happen to leaders who lead the flock astray and do not stand for righteousness? Just for reference, that's found in Jeremiah 23, if anyone's interested. And if that doesn't strike the fear of God into someone doing that, be very careful, because that is one of the strongest warnings and words in the Bible, and God will not excuse it. No, he will not excuse it, especially now. And to anyone listening that might be offended by that, well, the Lord had given me a word last year titled, Why Do You Not Listen? I received this word on April 2nd, 2021. And I don't actually recall if I've ever shared this in a podcast before, but I feel it's appropriate for now as much as it was over a year ago. Please read it. Oh, my people, the enemy seeks to destroy you, but you continue to look to the comforts you know. 
Have I not set my watchmen forth to warn you? Why do you continue to seek out worldly solutions in search of peace? Do you believe your idols can protect you? Do you not know the times? Have I not provided understanding by sending the watchmen to witness and prepare you? Do I not give you these parables in my word? Have I shown you not the earth changes and the signs? You continue to scoff at those I have sent before you to warn, believing these events are for a later time. Many of my children I desire to save possess a heart of indifference. You continue to attempt discouragement through complacency. Shall I not recompense consequence for this? Those I send to warn will not stop, for I have sent them forth out of my love for you. My children, I plead with you to draw near to me, for only I can provide the provision and protection you seek. Study my word, for it shall give you wisdom, and I shall speak to you. As your leaders continue to pass laws in the name of peace, they plan destruction, counting on your apathy. And just for reference, before I continue, that apathy means, you know, oh, I don't care. Oh, it doesn't affect me. I don't have to worry. We see a lot of that right now. We do. And that's why I mentioned that. Continuing on, a day comes, you will no longer be able to work. Goods will perish. Famine and disease will rule the day. Behold, a great war has begun. Do you not see? A great shaking has begun. An army is coming to do the enemy's will, scattering my people throughout the land. Do you not see this migration now? Have I not shown the meaning of my words in what you have witnessed before your very eyes? Why do you continue to look the opposite ways when I have told you I have overcome the world? Why such unbelief? I desire none shall perish, only to turn from their sin. What will you do when you are separated from your family and cannot provide, when your comfort and security is removed from you? Repent, for the day of destruction draweth nigh. A great deception presents. O oh, my people, why do you pretend to hear when you won't listen? Why do you pretend to see when you are deceived by leaning into thine own understanding? Seek me, and I will set your ways forth in what is to come. Seek me in all thy ways, and I shall give you peace and solace. You will have understanding in how to contend with the indignation upon you. Why do you pretend to hear when you do not listen? That is so powerful. Yes, it is. And you know, Glinda, you could sum that word up by simply taking a look at Proverbs 3, verses 1 through 12. Starting on verse 1, my son, do not forget my law, but let your heart keep my commands. For length of days and long life and peace they will add to you. Let not mercy and truth forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so find favor and high esteem in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor detest his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, just as a father the son in whom he delights. You know, it's, it makes me so sad to see how so few people fear the Lord now because you and I have seen some of what's coming and how bad it is. And I feel so sorry for them that, you know, they're not going to be they're not going to be the least bit expectant or 
understanding of it when it hits. And they're just going to be completely shocked. And yet you sound the warning and nobody answers. So you can't really do anything else. And, you know, you talked about the preachers not preaching against sin. And I think a lot of times the, you know, in the end times, especially a lot of times the people that are, you know, writing the sermons and preaching the sermons don't have any understanding of the end times. If I did not have the prophetic gifting, I'm not sure I would have understanding about it either. So maybe we need to pray for them. They're not teaching against sin, though, and they do read that in their Bible. So there's no excuse for that. Not at all. I don't get that part at all. But I've had many reports that some of the larger, more mainstream churches teach that since Jesus died, we don't even need to be concerned about sin because he isn't. Yeah, and that's what I was just about to add, Glenda, while you were mentioning that, was that um, the problem is a lot of time is that the Old Testament, many find it irrelevant or like say it doesn't apply. And that's simply not true. Because a lot of what's in the Old Testament, that is all happening now because God does the same things again and again. Yeah. You have to have the old to understand the new. And, you know, I don't hear from him that he's unconcerned about sin at all. That is not the message I have gotten for years. So I completely disagree with that position that they're taking. He does not want believers in sin. He wants them out of it. Anytime you sin, you're bowing down to Satan in that area of your life. And none of us are perfect. But if you know you're sinning, you're supposed to be doing everything you can to get free of it. The more you sin, the more access you grant to the devil, to your life. And all he will do is bring destruction through that door. And you can't stop him when you're sinning because you you open the door yourself. Your belief in God will not protect you from the consequences of your sin. I don't know if people understand that. You can believe in God all day long and God will help you and he will bless you and he loves you. But he will not protect you from the consequences of your sin when you know you are sinning. Please hear me on this, y'all. That's so important. You cannot bow down to another God, meaning the devil or your pleasure or whatever, and then expect God to protect you from the effects of that. That's insanity. That is insanity. That's like cheating on your spouse and expecting them to protect you from the other person you cheated with. Hello? Glenda, that is an excellent point. And that's exactly what I was just talking about when it comes to taking the mark. You may as well be trading your love for the Lord. And saying, well, the yes. world is more important. I want Yeah, this that is exactly what they're doing. That's exactly. exactly. Yes, that's exactly what you're doing. You have to get on one side of the fence or the other. And as my beautiful Southern mama used to say, choose a side. Choose a side. Decide what you will believe and then believe it. But beware, because the wages of sin is always death. Sin always brings death to something in your life, a relationship, a career, your walk with the Lord, whatever. It's true, and we can discern using basic principles shown to us in the New Testament. And let's face it, those are not that hard to read clearly what they mean. Take the Apostle Paul, for example. He laid out the very principles of who being a Christian is, and much of it's very straightforward. I mean, and if you don't understand the translation, let's say that you're a beginner and you're starting out and you have trouble with the King James Version, there are several editions you can cross-reference and use to, yes, under- there are. to understand. And you can even look at Bible study. And, you know, lack of study may be some of it, but it can't be used as a crutch in all of it. No, it won't be accepted as an excuse when you get to the pearly gates. And unfortunately, as a result, because many won't, they are deceived and will believe lies. I mean, that's an example of what I was just talking about when it comes to people walking out of the church, because 
they were offended. You know, to put it candidly, Jesus said many would be offended. And not just the body of the church. It wasn't the priest that said the wrong thing. It was the leadership. The priest spoke of the sin. He did the right thing, but the higher-ups then saved face by lying to the very people they are supposed to be serving. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Therefore, they scatter and are scattered themselves, and they're going to be part of those who persecute others once the judgments begin as part of that misunderstanding. And, you know, another sad reality is when things really begin to kick off where these judgments are concerned, which, by the way, start with the church. Where are those leaders not standing up for the truth now going to be then? That is a very good question. If they're not standing up now, if they're sitting on this, they're going to sit on that. They're going to have any choice. Where is the true love for Jesus? You know, Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep. Sometimes love is tough. It's not going to a concert and getting your ears tickled every Sunday. Does God always give us everything we want? Think about it. No. And neither would a, your father or your mother. And a lot of the reason is to protect us, though we don't always see it that way. So, you know, going back to feeding the sheep, in the same way, sometimes you have to say what's not always comfortable or popular. And we're running out of time. We can't be playing Russian roulette with all of Amen. this. Amen to that. If you're denying individuals of the church, the spiritual bread, how can they be fed? And what type of love is that to lie to the flock? If you're lying to your congregation, you certainly cannot say, and by the way, this isn't just in the church. This is all of us. If you're lying, you certainly can't say you love the Lord with all thine heart. You know, bearing false witness, that's what we were talking about earlier in this judgment series when we spoke of the Pied Piper leading people right off the cliff. This is why every Christian has a responsibility to do their homework when it comes to learning how the Lord wants us to live. And let me just add here that the Lord has made it known that those who persecute Christians in this time are going to have a terrifying end. We don't want any of that. And that was really powerful what you just said. You know, where is the love for Jesus in all this? Where is it? They'll have a terrifying end and we don't want any of that. And we don't, and how that's going to happen, like I was saying, is if people are misled because they're being fed lies. They're not being fed the Lord's truth in his love. So I realize I might be strong sometimes, but you know what? I'd rather tell you what you need to know. You can't sit there and then say you didn't know. You know, Glinda, this is another reason why I've tried to implore time and time again to use a translation or a study Bible that will help you understand if you're having trouble. When you're ready to graduate to a different translation, then you do. And on a personal account, when I began Bible study, I didn't begin in the King James Version because I found a lot of it harder to understand or pronounce at times. And I simply needed plain English and meaning behind what the word was saying. Once I got that down, then I began to cross over to the King James Version more and more. And I mention that because while the King James Version is important and the most accurate, it can be a challenge for many who are new to the faith. And I'm not criticizing it. I, that's not what I mean. I'm just making the point that cross-referencing or using a study companion may be your best bet if you happen to feel stuck. I agree with that 100%. And it don't matter what translation of the Bible you buy if you never open it and study it because you cannot understand it. My Aunt Juanita back in, I think it was 1983, may she rest in peace, after I had visited her church, came by the house 
to see me where we lived then. And I was very ill, I think with bronchitis or something. And that mobile home was so cold. Ice used to form on the inside of the back door. That was back when I was married to my kid's dad. And on the coldest nights, and my poor little kids had that small bedroom back near the door and only had rag quilts that I made from old clothes. Uh, we had moved there from Texas City two weeks before a hurricane. And we did not know was that was even coming. And after Rick and I had both been out of work for, I think it was a month, we sold everything we could out of our house, even some of our clothes, just to get enough gas money to go north to where my mom and dad lived. So we could start over. So we had nothing. We had no furniture, no housewares. All we had was each other. And our house was furnished with odds and ends, hand-me-downs, and cheap things we picked up at garage sales because we made so little money at our jobs because we were unskilled labor. And we slept on mattresses on the floor in that mobile home. That was not a fun winter. I still remember that winter. It was so bad. It was so bad. But we were doing the best that we could. We were just so poor. And we did not have Jesus. And so my Aunt Juanita, she was a preacher. And she was a fiery, charismatic preacher. We went and visited the church when she was preaching because my husband was working for my Uncle Leland that she was married to. And she asked me that day if I had a Bible after praying for me to feel better. And I said, no. And she gave me her big black King James. And after she left, I tried to read it. I tried a lot of times to read it, but I did not understand a word of what I was looking at. And I wish I had known, like, you can read Proverbs. Those are pretty easy to understand. And the book of James also tells you a lot about living as a Christian, you know, if you're a new Christian. But nobody told me any of that. And so I'm sitting there trying to find my way through this big, like King James Bible. And I finally just, you know, gave up years later. I was like, okay, I don't understand any of that. I didn't know that there were other translations out there because I didn't grow up going to church. But uh, many years later, when I came back to the Lord, I discovered study Bibles. And good study Bibles have notes on a lot of the verses that are harder to understand. And they even have sometimes character profiles on the patriarchs like Abraham and Joseph. And they tell you about those people's lives and it helps you understand the stories and the time that they lived in. And they have other articles too. And they just help you understand what you're reading. And now I have study Bibles in several translations, including King James, which is my favorite. Yeah, I tend to go back and forth depending on what I'm studying. I've used I've used Amplified, I've used New Living, I've used uh, King James, New King James, and I don't always just settle. Even if one translation says something else, I still cross-reference it, especially if I'm putting together a teaching uh, podcast. And I just want listeners to understand the only reason we're mentioning that is because of the fact that if you're unaware of what the word is saying, that's why we're talking about the different translations, because to move forward and understand why things are happening, and to understand where you may have been deceived, you have to understand your word, and that's why we bring that up. And so, Glenda, I didn't want to get too far off point here, but back to what you were saying in the beginning in regards to betrayal when you mentioned Hitler earlier, you know, the Nazi Reich and those who served it did exactly that. They betrayed others, even loved ones, turned on family and friends. You know, there's an old classic movie i want to say it came out in somewhere between 62 and 65 it was called the sound of music and they brought that out in that movie it was the betrayal and so many may remember that but there were several examples of that in those days and so it's a perfect example of what it would look like and it'll happen because the evil spirits occupying these individuals will promise things like food and goods and those who are deceived will believe they are taken care of even if they are killed for knowing them you know, I believe you've had words on that, uh, where people who are associated even will be a target. Yes, they will be. So remember, 
that Satan and his minions are the masters of deceptions and leading people to persecute is just one more deception among many. But for us believers, we go back to Revelation 14.12, and that is all about endurance, which we ought to be putting into practice in normal Christian living anyway, as Peter told us to patiently endure in suffering as it is partaking in Christ's sufferings. And that's in reference to 1 Peter 4, verses 13 through 14, which says, But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached, and that is persecuted, for the name of Christ, blessed are you, for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. So, there is no shame in suffering for the Lord. And this is important to mention, as I know many of us are going through trials and tests of faith and patience right now, which, by the way, just as a side note, me and Glenda are working on something for y'all. But let me just say, going back to the endurance factor, the persecution that Christians will face is one reason among many that these trials are being allowed right now. And that's one of the reasons we're spending a lot of time on this very point in the first seal. Because these trials, these tests, they're to strengthen us for a time and build endurance for this time that Jesus said would take place. Yeah, and is shortly to come to pass, clearly. Yeah, we are working on something really special for y'all about being tested. So y'all hang in there on that. Because I've gotten email after email after email lately saying I'm going through all these trials and tests. What is going on? You know, And we understand. Believe me, we do. Y'all have no idea just we're how going, well we do understand. Yeah, we're going through it too. So I don't think that we're sitting yeah. over here on our own little pedestal and we're exempt. No. Oh, no. Glenda Nothing like I that. Can... In fact, as I record yeah. this, we're getting hit with enemy attacks too. As I record this... <laughs> My face is swelled up like a football, y'all. I'm having a severe allergic reaction on my face to a very mild cream that I put on it, and it's bad. I'm just praying that it don't blister because it's getting pretty ugly. I got to go to the doctor, but we wanted to record this for y'all first and not, you know, put it off. But, um, you know, Ray, I still remember when I was first learning about the wilderness, and I worked in this office a few years after I left Bank of America. And this was not at the bank. And one day I was talking to my coworker about the wilderness, and he was a Christian. He had talked about, you know, being a Christian, going to church. And he looked me right in the eye and he said that he did not believe that the wilderness, he said, I just don't think that's scriptural. And I thought, oh my gosh. And if I still had contact with him, I would text him Matthew 4, 1. Then was Jesus led up of the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. You cannot get any more scriptural than that. I'm just saying. Right, and Jesus was tempted with every single thing through many trials, just like many of us are when we go into a wilderness. I have not experienced that like you did with your job years ago, and I didn't know anything about a wilderness until I found myself in the middle of one. But you and I can both firmly testify to how real they really are. And those who don't believe it will find themselves in an unconventional refining, of which the Lord gave me a word on a little over a year ago now. And I firmly believe what he meant by that was when these things begin coming, which we are talking about today, because those he called would not heed the call during the times of relative peace, uh, they're going to have to be going through that refining when these judgments begin. So getting into it here, what are the timing of events themselves? Jesus said, when we look at Luke 21, 12, but before all these 
things, persecution would come. What things? The things that we present in the remaining four horses. Jesus said, many would come in his name and to not go after them. He said, we would hear of wars and rumors of wars. And indeed, we're hearing that right now like never before. But when you look at verse 12 in Luke 21, in its entirety, but before all these things, they will lay their hands on you and persecute you, delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. You will be brought before kings and rulers for my name's sake. Delivering you up to the synagogues and prisons. That scripture right there affirms that Christianity and Judaism are going to be outlawed, which is what the Lord had told me. Otherwise, why would they deliver you to synagogues and prisons? It also gives us a little bit of an idea of when the persecution will come. Mark 13, 9, but take heed to yourselves, for they shall deliver you up to councils, and in the synagogues you shall be beaten, and you shall be brought before rulers and kings for my sake for a testimony against them. Back in Jesus' time, they were judged in the synagogues. I think Mark 13, 9 affirms we will be put on trial for our faith. But look at the last part of that verse, for a testimony against them. That's stacking up judgment against them. They will be judging us temporarily, but they incur God's wrath when they do. And we are used to increase the judgment against them in the long run because it is unjust judgment. And the Lord has told me not only we Christians, but also the Jews this time, and the persecution will be worse than ever before. I think that may be because it might happen in the time of Satan's wrath, which is mentioned in Revelation 12, 12. This is right before God throws the book at him. Therefore rejoice, ye heavens, and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the seal, for the devil is come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. But even under the persecution, Glinda, but not a hair of your head shall be lost. By your patience you possess your souls. And that's still in Luke 21. Patient endurance through the persecution. I'm of the belief that Many of us are being prepared for that now. The Lord is always with us, and he shows us that in various trials beforehand, like I was just saying. And on endurance, as it pertains to the coming persecution, keep this one point in mind. Jesus said, and this is quoting Matthew 10, verse 28, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So that verse right there, it represents both the persecution and our way of living, that we should always have a healthy fear of the Lord. That's what that means. I love that the Lord even told us what to do when it happens. It will turn out for you as an occasion for testimony. Therefore, settle it in your hearts not to meditate beforehand on what you will answer. And you did a podcast not long ago on patient endurance. Yes, I did. And if listeners would like to look through the archives, it's the season of forbearance uh, where I talked about that. That was one of them anyway. And I also did one, Will You Stand Strong for Jesus Under Persecution? Hey, Glinda, I'd like to share another word. And this one is titled, You Should Only Fear Me. Now, this isn't just about the persecution, but all that we're going to have to endure. And what I believe I heard the Lord say was, My people need only have fear of me if they understand that I am the cornerstone between them and the Father and what comes. I will be a shield to those who reverence me and walk in my ways. But there must be no delay in choosing whom my children serve. Do you serve me or the ideals, the idols of the world, which cannot save you? Focus on me, my people. I will remove the veil of deception. 
Reflect on all the blessings I have given unto you. Think on all I have ordained in the world you live, and that I made the heavens and the earth. Think on my mighty power. Think on the sacrifice I made for you, that you may be forgiven, that I may teach you. All I desire is your calling on me, your time spent with me. I desire your whole heart. If you will call on me, I will answer. The situations you encounter may seem impossible, but if you know me, you will understand everything is possible that you thought not. Seek me, and you will find my forgiveness, my protection, my provision. Reverence me, and you will be blessed, for I will be a light unto thy path. Do not wait, my people, for an event approaches that will present many inconveniences. Those who are walking with me shall endure, for I shall lead them. I will deliver them from betrayal, for if they shall believe how I led my people in times past, they shall know how I will deliver them now. I will deliver those who belong to me. And so, bottom line, we need to be ready. We need to be right with the Lord. This is why he has been repetitively calling everyone off the worldly playground. Will everyone be persecuted and put to death? No, and I base that on Luke 21.16, where Jesus said, Some of you shall they cause. So that indicates it's not everyone. But still, you want to know where your soul is when that time comes, because as Glinda has said before, it's likely we're not getting out of this alive either way. There will be other judgments coming, and another one of them is war. That's so true. I'm planning to do a prophetic word review on the war words that God has given us over the last however many years. Satan's goal and the goal of the laws they will pass are to remove all that is of God from the earth. I was shown back around 2000 that Christianity and the Bible will be outlawed, and they are going to push a new religion that will only allow preaching about love and peace. You won't be allowed to preach anything else. They're trying to remove conviction of sin and talking about sin so everybody can be comfortable with their sin. That way, everybody can be on the same road headed to hell and feel good as they go there. This is the true spirit of Antichrist. Remove everything of God. But you know, Ray, and this relates to your shantytown dream vision that you did just did a podcast on. When you remove all that is light, you have only darkness. When you take God out, you have only Satan. You have lust, but not love. You have bad without the good. They will get the world they want because we will all go home to our king, but they won't want the world they get in the end. He will give them over to it, and the ones left will literally be handed over to Satan while they are still alive. That will be their fate, and Satan will delight in that. And that that leads us to the second seal, which we're teetering on the precipice now, conflict on the earth, the war horse. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Fiery red is the color of anger. I see this horse as being an angry leader of some nation that has no conscience, who goes out taking territory. And as other nations rise against him to try to stop him, he probably has some special military weapon he uses on them and takes their nations too, like Hitler, only worse, maybe more well-equipped. The third seal is scarcity on the earth. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. So I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. 
armies trudging across your country, eating all the food as they go, and putting a stop to manufacturing and farming would easily fulfill this verse. War can bring famine on. You're feeding as so many more people. They don't pack their food in. They eat yours. Right. And it's not just the scarcity, which, by the way, that's starting now. It will be the conflict on Earth, not to mention the shortages we're already hearing about. Note also where the word says a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. That indicates food will be so expensive due to economic reasons, shortages and war that you will not waste what little you even have. And yes, if troops are invading and then they're eating their way across the country, that certainly isn't going to help matters either. So then we get into the fourth seal, which is widespread death on earth. When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, come and see. So I looked and behold, a pale horse and the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed with him and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death and by the beasts of the earth. And ladies and gentlemen, that's all the above. Think about it. Kill with the sword, war and persecution, famine, and with death and beasts on the earth. You know, animals, when they're starving, they'll turn on people. Yeah, they will because it's their instincts to survive. The fifth seal, the cry of the martyrs. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true? until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell in the earth. Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren, who would be killed as they were, was completed. The sixth seal, cosmic disturbances. We're going to cover all the seals just so y'all get a review of them. And I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black sackcloth of hair. And the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig drops its slate figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Generally, with God's judgment, he will warn and warn and warn and warn. And he will send things like 911, like what happened to the terrorist attack, warnings through prophets, natural disasters, those sort of things, to get as many to repent and turn to him as possible. God will use whatever he has to use to get your attention. That is a word for somebody that is not in my notes. He's going to use whatever he has, sir, to get your attention. Because God loves you. He wants everyone to be saved. We want them to be saved. So our job as his children is to pray for them to be saved, okay, and strengthen your faith. I agree, especially with the Lord sending his prophets. And it just so happens, Glenda, I have our mutual friend, Prophet John, uh, here today. And as you know, Glenda, he is very accurate in what the Lord gives him. I can testify to that. He has given me many words over the past several years that were right on the money. He's given me several confirmations on prayers as well um, that I've asked of the Lord. And these are things I never told him, so I can attest he is hearing from the Lord accurately. And so without any more delay, welcome to the show, John. Thank you, Ray. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So, John, you had some prophetic words the Lord gave you. Would you want to share those with the listeners? And I'll mute out my microphone and uh, just give you the floor. 
Sure. I'll start out with the prophetic word he gave me last Sunday from my church, and then I'll go into the prophetic words he gave me for unknown listeners. So this word was given on October 30th, 2022. These are dark times in the earth. Men are perplexed for fear of what is coming in the earth. But what will you do? What will the church do? Will you rise up and be my hands and feet? Will you rise up and be my extended hand? Many of you are weary and burdened with many things, but I have come to give you rest. I have come to give you peace. Many of you are perplexed with trials and things you don't understand, but I have come to be a light, and I have come to shine through you. What will you do when darkness descends on the earth? Will you be my light? Will you be my extended hand? Time is short. Time is shorter than you think. What will you do? I plead with you to be my extended hand. I plead with you to be my light and love to those who are in darkness. What will you do? And then, as of today, the Lord also gave me um, prophetic words for some unknown listeners who will listen to this podcast. I will say this before I begin. Some of these these words do have names, um, but these could be for more than just the individual, because when the Lord speaks, um, he obviously knows that it could be more than just the person with their name attached to it that needs to hear these words. So the first word is for a lady named Brenda. Brenda, you have recently lost your job. Something happened you were not expecting, and now you don't know what to do. The Lord wants you to rest in Him and trust the process. He is saying, and when He gave this to me for you, He put this next phrase in caps. He is saying, I've got this. Brenda, you are a very studious individual. You plan everything out. I mean, every detail of your life is planned out. The Lord says this job situation bothers you because this was unplanned in your book. The Lord says, I have a plan. I have a purpose in this, my daughter. I have a new job all lined up for you. Brenda, you are a very precious individual to the Lord. He delights in you with exceedingly great joy. You have also been praying for your family. There has been feuding in your family over the last five years, and you're exhausted with it. The Lord says, leave it in my hands, my daughter, and I will heal and restore your family. There's also an individual listening to this podcast named Justin. Justin. You've been really depressed lately. You recently lost a close family member you love dearly. You are having a hard time processing the loss and the grief that comes with it. This has been such a difficult season for you. You have turned to prescription drugs instead of the Lord. You know the Lord and he loves you. And when he gave this word, when he gave this word to me for you, Justin, he put, I put, he loves you in caps because he emphasized it to me. You know the Lord, Justin, and he loves you. You are turning to the prescription drugs to deal with the pain. The Lord says to you, Justin, turn to me. Turn to me, my son. Let me heal you. Let me take away the pain and emptiness you feel inside, my son. I can restore you and make you whole, better than any pill can. Come to me, my son. Come to me. I want to interject for just a moment there before you continue, John. I had an issue myself personally where I took prescription Xanax for a long time. And when I came to the Lord, I can verify that and I can speak to his glory on that. He will and can heal you. So listen to what John says, because I'm walking proof of that. 
He'll take oh, it away that's with amazing. He'll take it away without you even having side effects, but you have to give it to him and believe him to do it. And anytime the enemy tries to whisper to you like, "Oh no, you can't make it." Don't listen to the enemy. He's a liar. He's a liar. Oh, he's definitely a liar. I've been there and I know what that's like. Go ahead and continue, John. Sure. The next word is for an individual named Amy. Amy, the Lord says your marriage is in shambles. You are at your wit's end in this marriage, so to speak. You honestly don't know what to do anymore. You have actually at times thought of taking your own life because the depression eats you up on the inside at times. The Lord says to you, Amy, don't do that. Your life is worth living. My precious Amy, he calls you his precious Amy, my sweet daughter. I know the pain you are experiencing is real and it hurts. But come to me, let me heal the hurt and anguish you feel. Turn to me, Amy, turn to me. My daughter, if you will come to me, I will heal your broken life and I will restore your marriage. Your husband has wounded you with his hurtful words. You're unwilling to forgive him. The Lord understands the hurt he's caused you. However, the Lord says, forgive your husband and watch what I will do for you. Forgiveness is the first step in your healing process, says the Lord. Forgive him, my daughter, and I will heal your heart and his, and I will restore your marriage and make it more beautiful than it ever was before. Amy, the Lord says he has the most beautiful plan for your life. And actually, when he gave me this word for you, most beautiful is in caps. He has the most beautiful plan for your life. He wants you to be full of joy and happiness. Amy, turn to the Lord. The Lord loves you more than you'll ever know. The Lord says if you will forgive your husband and let the Lord do the work of restoration in your marriage, the Lord will use your marriage as a powerful testimony of what God can do for those who place their lives in his hands and trust him. The next word is for a listener by the name of Rick. Rick, you're kind of listening to this podcast by accident, aren't you? But with God, there are no accidents. You're really hoping for a word today. The Lord wants you to know, Rick, he loves you so much. He knows how those in your family have chewed you up and spit you out, so to speak. But the Lord wants you to know that his love for you is a perfect love with no strings attached. All you have to do is surrender your life to him, repent of your sin, and come to him, and he will do the work of sanctification as you walk with him. Your life has been a bumpy and rocky journey. Your teen years were rough, weren't they? During those years, you spent much time in isolation, and it made life more difficult for you. But the Lord wants you to come to him so he can heal and restore your heart and life. He says to tell you, Rick, that he is standing with his arms wide open, and he is waiting on you to come to him. He says, if you will give me your life, it will never be the same, my son. It will never be the same. Rick, you're called to preach, but you're running away from it because of the pain you've endured in your life. You've been running for a long time. The Lord says, stop running, son, and come to me. Come back to me, my son, before time is up. Rick, you carry a strong anointing to preach God's word and to prophesy. You're called by the Lord to be a carrier of hope. He is saying, carry my hope, my son, to those who are lost and hurting. As I restore your life, you in turn will restore the lives of others. There's someone else listening to this podcast named Julie. Julie, the Lord knows it's been a rough and difficult journey for you especially lately. You have really battled depression your whole life. The enemy has tried to take you out many times. However, the Lord has had his mighty hand of protection on you your whole life. Julie, you're saved and you know the Lord. 
but you're feeling lost and without any sense of purpose or direction in your life right now. The Lord says, come back to me, my daughter, come back to me. If you will spend time in my presence daily, he is emphasizing daily. I will show you the plan and purpose I have for your life, my precious one. Julie, I feel the Lord is saying, it has always been a dream of yours to write and travel. You love to write. You actually write in a journal even now. The Lord says to tell you, keep the journal because in time you will write a book that will reach multitudes of souls for the Lord. You also love to travel. And I feel the Lord, he is saying you will travel to the places you've always dreamed of going. I hear him saying you love Italy and Spain, and you will go to those exact locations, my daughter. I have a plan. I will make a way. There's somebody listening to this podcast named Luke. Luke, in my spirit, I sense you're a teenager. You're actually the captain of the football team. You think your popularity will take you places. In reality, it may, but the Lord says to you, Luke, there's another side to you, and that side to you is very pure and tenderhearted before the Lord. The Lord wants you to lean into that side of your personality and character. The Lord says your character will take you farther than your popularity. The Lord says if you will lean into the side of your personality and character that he wants you to lean into, which is a very compassionate, noble side, then you will go further than you ever dreamed. You'll actually get to the point where you don't desire the popularity of man. You'll just be concerned with living before the audience of one, which is living before the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's your audience of one, Luke. The Lord has a great plan for your life. He actually destines to use your popularity just in a way that honors and glorifies his kingdom rather than yourself and your own wants and ambitions. The Lord wants to bless you and give you the desires of your heart, but he first wants you to sacrifice the desires of the flesh, the desire for popularity. Once you surrender those things, Luke, your life and your dreams will flourish and you'll go further than you ever dreamed. Again, you have a pure heart before the Lord. The Lord wants me to emphasize to you, lean into those things. Lean into your noble character. Lean into your humble heart. Lean into the desires that he has for your life. If you do that, you'll go further than you ever dreamed. The next word is for somebody named Stephanie. Stephanie. The Lord says, you're kind of a vain person. You look at your um, beauty as something to behold. While the Lord did bless you with beauty, vainness is not something the Lord desires of you. The Lord desires humility, humbleness of heart, and a pure character. You have those attributes, but you think that your beauty will take you further than your character. The Lord says that is error and the wrong way to look and think about things. The Lord has a calling for you in women's ministry. You have a calling to reach and heal and restore broken women. You will go pick up the lost puppy that nobody wants. You will go minister to the down and out with the love and compassion of Jesus. That is the Lord's plan for you, Stephanie. But you must let go of your desire for more beauty and more ambition. There's nothing wrong with ambition. There's nothing wrong with drive. There's nothing wrong with the beauty the Lord has blessed you with, but the Lord does not want those main things to be your aspirations in life. He wants you to lean into your humility. He wants you to lean into your godly, Christ-like character. He wants you to lean into these things, Stephanie, because those things are things that are purer than gold. Those things are things that will take you further than you ever dreamed. Lean into those things, Stephanie. 
The Lord says you have a destiny to reach multitudes of young women. You will be a carrier of hope in these last days. You will carry the light and hope and love of Jesus to women who are hungry and thirsty for the things of the Lord. These women that you'll minister to have lost all hope. They feel depressed. They feel deranged. They feel lost and without purpose. If you will flow with the ministry the Lord has called you to and lean into your relationship with Him, you will bring hope and life and healing to the multitudes of women's lives that He has called you to reach. You are called to women's ministry, Stephanie. The Lord is waiting for you to answer this call. The Lord says, answer quickly. There's not much time. There is another word for somebody named Nathan. Nathan, actually the Lord calls you his prophet Nathan. As a word of knowledge, the Lord says, Nathan, you have a fair complexion and you actually are a red-headed young man. The Lord calls you his prophet because as Nathan, the prophet in the Bible, the Lord has called you as a prophet in these end times. He's called you to prophesy the word of the Lord to lost and hurting souls. He's called you to prophesy the word of the Lord to kings of other nations. He's called you to prophesy the word of the Lord to presidents and leaders of other countries. The Lord says to you, Nathan, will you answer this call? Will you answer the call before it's too late? You have a very pure heart, Nathan, and your devotion to the Lord is sincere and upright. God absolutely loves this about you. He's whispering in my ear, this is what thrills the Lord about you, is your purity of heart and devotion to him. You have a great calling. You're called as a prophet. But the Lord's question to you is, will you answer the call? The enemy at times has sent you distractions to try to detour your purpose and calling. But you're a very studious man, and you have stayed on target. And the Lord is pleased with this. Again, Nathan, you're called to be a prophet. The Lord's question to you is, will you answer the call? He has a great future in store for you. You have also prayed for a future spouse. And the Lord wants you to know that will happen in his perfect timing. But his goal and focus for you is of utmost importance. His goal and focus for you right now is your relationship and communion with him. And then in time, as you start walking in your prophetic destiny and calling, he will add the other blessings that he has called you to. God's word says, seek his kingdom first and his righteousness and all these other things will be added to you. The Lord says that is your scripture and your blueprint for life. Answer his call, Nathan. The Lord is pleading with you. Again, you have a pure heart and you have a great calling but don't let the distractions of the world or the flesh detour you from what he has for you. The final word is for a group of teenagers. Um, I'm sensing in the spirit that it's like a group of three teenagers. One of you is um, a young man and you have short blonde hair. Another one um, has red hair and he's also a gentleman. And then a third teenager I sense has black hair. You're a group of friends and you're really close. And actually the Lord says that all three of you are saved. But all three of you at different times in life were hurt. And so when you're getting this word, you're kind of mocking it because you're thinking, well, God will never judge this nation. The, the Lord will never judge me for things I've done wrong. The Lord says you're, the three of you are wrong in having that thought process and thought pattern. You're in error for thinking God will never judge those who mock. The Lord is reaching out to you in love and compassion. He's reaching out to all three of you in love and compassion. The one with red hair, you were actually abandoned by your father. That's what caused your hurt and pain, isn't it? That's what caused your disillusionment. That's what made you run from the church. 
but actually the Lord is calling to you to come back to him. He's telling me to tell you, don't let the sins of your father or the reproach of man in the church keep you from my presence. Man is flawed. My church is flawed, but I am not flawed, my son. The Lord is reaching out to you, sir, and you are a young teenager and you've made some mistakes, but the Lord loves you despite those mistakes. He's reaching out to all three of you. You're all called to be his children. You all were saved at one point, and you've backslidden because of being hurt and burned by those you love, and you were hurt and burned by the church. But the Lord wants all three of you to know, don't let what people have done to you in the past deter you from my presence. Don't let what people have done to you and those who have hurt you deter you from what I have called you to be. Don't mock my prophets. Don't mock my words. Don't laugh at what you think is innocent, because in the end, you won't be laughing. In the end, you won't be mocking, because when famine hits this land, you won't know what to do. When there's no shelter or no place to go, where will you run and hide? Will you run and hide in my presence? Because if you don't know me now, then you'll have nowhere to run or hide. The Lord says he's reaching out to all three of you gentlemen. And he's wanting you to come back to him. He loves all three of you deeply, and he knows why you ran. All three of you have been deeply hurt. Actually, one of you was abused by your father. And so you're not only hurt, but you're mad and angry. The Lord wants to take away your anger and bitterness, sir. I'm sensing the one that's angry and bitter is the gentleman with black hair. I sense you actually wear a lot of black hoodies at times, sir, because you're just so hurt and so angry and so bitter that there's just no life and, and joy in you anymore. And the Lord wants to heal your wounded heart. He knows why you're hurt. He knows why you're angry. But he wants to heal those things and give you a new life, a new beginning, a new chapter. The Lord says to tell all three of you gentlemen, he wants to give you all a new life, a new beginning, a new chapter. And he wants to do it soon. But you must reach out to the Lord. You must tell him, I give you my hurt and my pain. And the Lord says he'll replace it with joy and peace that you've never known. Again, all three of you know the Lord. You've just backslidden because of the hurt and rejection that you've felt. And the Lord is reaching out to you in his great, great love and compassion for each of you. He doesn't want your life to end in destruction. He doesn't want your life to end without him. Because if it does, it won't be a good outcome. Again, the Lord is reaching out to all three of you gentlemen. It's not a mistake you're listening to this podcast. It's not a mistake that you're laughing and sneering. The reason the Lord is letting me know that is so that when you hear this word in the future, you will know he's speaking to all three of you. And that's why he gave me the descriptive words of knowledge he did. Whoever these three gentlemen are, please turn back to the Lord. He's calling out to you in love and mercy. And he loves all three of you greatly. That is a very serious word. And, you know, I, it takes me back to when I was a teenager and I had some things that had happened as an adolescent in my family. And, uh, you know, I had a lot of anger at one point and, you know, everybody goes through a rebellious period as a teenager. I mean, I went through one too, when I was a teen and I'm like a dinosaur that was back in the nineties. <laughs> I know that we uh, older people than me are going to laugh at that, but you know, but you get to the point where you get tired of being angry and when the Lord's calling you, that is a very welcome invite. That shows how much he loves you. But 
on the other hand, based on the mocking and when famine and you know calamity arrive, Proverbs 1, verses 25 through 28, I feel they are important uh, verses to mention here. And I'm going to read from the Amplified Bible, uh, Proverbs 1, 25 through 28, so listeners can look that up. And you treated all my counsel as nothing, and you would not accept my reprimand. I also will laugh at your disaster. I will mock when your dread and panic come. When your dread and panic come like a storm, and your disaster comes like a whirlwind, when anxiety and distress come upon you, and that's as retribution or disobedience, then they will call upon me, wisdom, but I will not answer. They will seek me eagerly, but they will not find me, because they hated knowledge and did not choose the fear of the Lord, and that is obeying him with reverence and awe-filled respect. So, I mean... It's very serious, very serious. We are not in the time of mocking. And, you know, John, I know that you and I were going to talk about running out of time, but I felt that was an important verse to mention there. Yes, that is a very serious word. And one more thing, there is one more word for a gentleman named Ross. Honestly, sir, when I got this word for you, um, it it felt really powerful and I I could feel the anointing on it. So I really hope this word speaks to you. And I pray that the Lord gets your attention through this, sir. This word is for an individual named Ross. Ross, you've given up all hope, haven't you? You go through life and you literally dread every day. You dread it because you feel there isn't much hope or purpose in your life. You've lost your passion in life. The Lord says the enemy is trying to derail your purpose because you are destined to reach many souls for the Lord, Ross. I hear the Lord saying he's called you to reach the unreachable. You're called to reach those others have given up on. The Lord has called you to this because you know what it's like, don't you? You know what it's like to be left out and feel unloved. There was a parent or someone in your family who talked down to you very terribly in your childhood, and it tore your soul. But the Lord wants to heal your soul. He wants to restore the peace and joy you once had in your life. God says to you, my son, I want to give you peace and joy unlike anything the world can give you. I want to restore the years you have lost. I will do just that. I hear him saying, just turn around, Ross. Just turn around. Come back to me, Ross. You knew the Lord at one time, but you've walked away. The Lord says the reason your life is so unfulfilled is because you prefer the party life over him. However, the Lord wants you to know he is patiently waiting on you to turn back around and come running back to him. The Lord says he has extended this offer of forgiveness and grace to you because he loves you so much, and he knows the impact and the damage you will do to the enemy's kingdom if you give your heart and life to the Lord. Ross, this is why the enemy introduced you to the party scene all those years ago, because he feared you, Ross. The enemy feared how the Lord would use you to do the utmost damage to his kingdom. Ross, there is a girl in your life, and you are involved with, and he wants you to know she is not the one for you. If you will give your life to the Lord and surrender this relationship to him and focus on your walk with Jesus, the Lord will in time bring the girl into your life he has destined you to marry. Ross, I hear strongly in my spirit, she is not the one. She is not the one. Run away from her, Ross. Run away. The Lord says that he is pleading with you, Ross, to turn around and come back to a loving and purposeful relationship with him. It will be well worth it, Ross. Ross, the Lord says if you ignore this warning from him, and go your own way of folly with this current girlfriend you're involved with, the end result will not be a good one. The Lord says, turn now, Ross. Turn now. Um, 
I'm sorry. There's actually another word for an unknown listener. That's fine. Um, I wanted to say uh, something, though, regarding Ross. Yes. You know, I just want to say to Ross, um, before I came to ministry, before the Lord called me and I went into a wilderness, or when I found out that I was in a wilderness, which, by the way, you do not want to wait for the Lord to put you into the wilderness like I did, okay? He was calling me multiple times, and I didn't realize it through events that were happening in my life prior to that. But not everyone gets to go into a wilderness. Some people continue on in the way that they are, and they end up, some die, some have an overdose, some get into an accident, multiple things go wrong. But when the Lord called me, I had been in that party life. I was into a lot of sexual sin. I was into drinking. And I just want to say that if you will heed the Lord's calling, Ross, he will heal you and he will take care of you and he will guide you and what to do. And he'll show you who your real friends are because that's one of the things he did when I was in the wilderness. He showed me um, who my real friends were. And you know what I found out? Most people that I was friends with in the secular world were not even my friends. In fact, none of them were. So don't trade up what the Lord is calling you to because you do not want to pass that by. And when the Lord grabbed a hold of me one night when I was in a drunken stupor, this is back in 2019, he literally grabbed onto my heart and said, I could take you now if I wanted to. Wow. We don't realize we're in his hands, and it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of God, let me just tell you. And when he called me, he said, I'm going to give you one last chance. And that's on my testimony page. So I wanted to put that out there because I was there once. I, I was in wrong relationships, and I was in the uh, party life, and I know how that is. And you can do a 180 and turn around from that. You can completely turn your life around if you will trust in the Lord and you will call on him. So I felt that was important to mention. Ray, I'm glad that you shared that because um, obviously with what you just shared, you can tell there is much compassion and pleading in your own voice and in your own testimony with what you shared with Ross. When I heard you sharing that, that was coming up in my spirit that I had to absolutely share because I've been through that and it wasn't an easy battle, but you can break free of it and he can turn your life around. And I'm a testimony to that. I wouldn't yeah, be, you simply I don't, just have to turn around. I don't think I'd be sitting here today if I hadn't heeded his calling. I don't think any of us would be sitting here if we had not heeded his calling. And while you were saying that, I was like, amen, amen. You know, because that spoke so strongly to what I've been through. And I know where Ross is. I can understand that. And I pray it is my prayer that he heeds that warning. Me too. Ross, I really hope and pray that you heed the Lord's warning to you and that you take seriously what Ray just shared with you. Um, and, and I really hope that you take seriously what the Lord said, because whether it's in the end times or when we pass from this life um, through death into eternity, none of us know how much time we have left. So please take this seriously and please take it to heart. Amen. And it is more serious now because we are getting closer and closer. When it, when it happened to me, that was in 2018, 2019, things started going real downhill and I didn't realize it at first. And I also had no idea how close we were to like what we see now. And I'm, you know, it was really hard on me at the time, but I am so thankful that the Lord was looking out for me and called me out of that. You know, I remember one night I was watching uh, violent movies with my brother. I think I was watching like John Wick or something. And I felt like this pull. I kept having this pull and this pull and this pull. And I had, I was having my drinks and, um, 
I went into my bedroom and I remember laying on the bed and that's when the Lord uh, grabbed hold of me because at that point I had been drifting aimlessly because I had been looking for jobs and that was another thing. I had lost my job and I was out of work for a good six months by then and I had no idea even what a wilderness was. So you don't want to wait to fall into the hands of God. You don't want to test him on that. That was my experience, okay? But I didn't know any better. And I didn't have anybody giving me a word beforehand. But once he did that, you better believe I got my act together real quick. Amen to that. Amen. Ross, I feel led of the Lord to tell you that when you hear this prophetic word, that it is the Lord pleading with you out of love and great mercy and compassion for you. The Lord says he does not want your life to end in destruction and that you have six months from the time you hear this to get things in order with the Lord. Because if you don't, it's not going to be good. So I really pray that you heed this warning and take the Lord's warning seriously and that you take um, with great consideration and great prayer what Ray told you. Um, Because this word from the Lord is not an accident. He's really trying to get your attention. And he loves you more than you know. And this is his mercy calling out to you. He's not wanting to hit you over the head with a, um, a gavel. He's, he's reaching out to you in mercy. And he loves you more than you'll ever know. P- please take this seriously. Please take this seriously. Because none of us know how much time we have left. We do not. Thank you, John. You had a, another word, I believe, for another listener? Yes. There is a word for somebody named Brad. Brad, you're such a joy to the Lord. He's emphasizing the word joy to me as I'm typing this word for you. Brad, you bless and equip those around you. You're a go-getter. You are like Caleb in the Bible. You always believe the report of the Lord, and you believe anything is possible with God. The Lord loves this about you. Brad, you're currently going through a rough time with a family member. The situation is exhausting to you at times. The Lord sees this situation, and he sees how this person is wearing you down. He sees how they are trying to control you. The Lord says you need to pray for this family member, but do not allow them to control you anymore because they are actually hindering you from your destiny in the Lord. I hear him saying, pray for them and love them, but be firm with them. The next time they try to control or manipulate you and the power of the Holy Spirit will break this controlling spirit off of them and you. The Lord has a great destiny for you, Brad. But he says this situation must be handled first before you can be launched into anything the Lord has in store for you. The Lord loves you, Brad, and he loves your kind and gentle spirit. But it was never his intention for this family member to run your life. God will take care of the situation. You do what he has told you to do, he is saying, and he will take care of the rest. This family member will actually get saved as a result of your obedience to the Lord. And then... um. Actually, um, and this word was not put in a word document, but I actually feel like the Lord says there's somebody listening to this podcast and your name is Billy. Billy, the Lord says you've had a rough go of it. You really enjoy the drug life and the party life, but the Lord says that's not his plan for you, Billy. The Lord says he's giving you this message as a warning and as a plea in his great mercy and love for you. He says if you continue in the party life and the drug life, your life will end in destruction. The Lord doesn't want that for you, Billy. The Lord says he has the most beautiful, unique plan for you. He has a plan to heal and restore your broken heart. He has a plan to heal and restore broken relationships in your family and amongst peers. He has a plan to use you beyond your wildest dreams. 
but you must give up the drugs and you must give up the party scene. The Lord says he's giving you this word in his great mercy and compassion for you. The Lord says you have seven days from the time you hear this to repent of the party life and repent of the drugs before time runs out. The Lord says he loves you more than you'll ever know, and he has a plan that far exceeds anything you have thought or planned for your own life. The Lord loves you greatly, Billy. That's why he's reaching out to you in mercy. And that is the end of uh, prophetic words for unknown listeners. And um, now back to you. Wow, those are really powerful words. Thank you so much, Prophet John, for your obedience in sharing those with the listeners. I know they appreciate that. Thank you, John. And those are very serious words, especially the ones for Ross and Billy, because I can relate to those ones especially uh, so much. And it's just my prayer that in this podcast, everybody take to what's being said um, rather seriously, because we are running out of time. You've heard it many times in your spirit. We're running out of time. Yes, we are. Actually, as we're talking, I feel like he has a word for the body. So I'll go ahead and release it if that's okay. Oh, sure. Absolutely. The Lord says there are those of you listening to this podcast and you believe that time is short, but you think that we have more than enough time. And the Lord says, get into the ark now because we don't have more than enough time. Time really is shorter than you think. Get into the ark before it's too late, the Lord says. Repent of your sin and repent of your folly and come before me with humility. Let go of the pride. Let go of the things of the world that try to hold you back. Come to me before it's too late. Come to me before it's too late. What will you do? What will you do when it's too late? What will you do when the gods of this world that you're trying to hang on to vanish and there's nothing left? Will you cry out to me then? Or will you cry out to me now, while things in the earth are still somewhat, in quotes, somewhat normal? Come to me now before it's too late. So, yes, in accordance with what the Lord said, Ray, in the word that I shared at the beginning of the podcast and with the word he just gave, we are running out of time. Obviously, in God's time, five years to us and five years to him are two different things, but we definitely are running out of time. So I really hope and pray, just like you said, Ray, that people take these prophetic words from the Lord very seriously and that they that they come to the Lord before it's too late because he's reaching out to us with great love and mercy. Yes. And that message of what will you do and get into the ark. If you noticed at the beginning of the podcast, um, I received a similar word on that. If you recall, and uh, the Lord's message is consistent. That's what it shows. It's showing consistency. Yes. And I'm meaning like, consistency across the board. I mean, he gave me that message about the ark for me, and I didn't share that in this podcast, but I shared that back in April and actually did a series on that called Get Into the Ark, and it was two parts. Um, you might recall that, but he's consistent in delivering the same message to all his people because we are, we're running out of time. Yes. Let, let me share this with the listeners. When the Lord gives someone like Ray or myself or Glinda, who Ray has had on uh, his podcast before, when the Lord gives anyone a prophetic word, he is really saying it out of great love and mercy. God is not looking to smack you over the head with a gavel. He is not looking to punish you. He is reaching out to you in love and compassion. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins and restored to a relationship with the Father. 
That's why God has been so patient for thousands upon thousands of years, because he doesn't want anyone to perish, and he doesn't want anyone to go to hell. So he's pleading with you in his great love and mercy for you. And so when the enemy lies to you and says, see, God's just judging you, yes, God does judge sin, and yes, he does judge nations. But when he's calling out to you to repent, he's calling out to you in love, and he doesn't want to destroy you. He wants to heal you and restore you and bring you so much joy and happiness in your life through him that nothing in the world will ever satisfy you. So these words were, are given in great seriousness, yes, but the Lord's also giving them in great love and compassion because the people that will listen to this podcast, he's trying to tell you time is short and he's reaching out to you in love before it's too late and there is no hope left. Obviously, both Ray and I don't know when that time is, but it's obvious that it is getting closer or, or the Lord wouldn't have given these warnings in the first place. So my personal hope and prayer is that the people that listen to this podcast take it with the utmost sincerity of heart and come to the Lord and know that he's waiting on them with great love and compassion and know that he's waiting on them to come to him and repent so that they can be a part of the final end time harvest and reach many souls for him because we don't have much time left. Amen. You know, John, the mere fact that we got fought so hard to get this segment recorded, and our listeners don't hear that because that's all edited out, all the interruptions, the disconnections, the digital interference, the mere fact that we got messed with trying to get this recorded goes to show you, especially that part about Ross. I mean, I had to call you back, what, once or twice? to get that completed because we kept getting interfered with and you can still hear artifacts of it. But it goes to show you the enemy doesn't want this out and he's fighting it tooth and nail when stuff like that happens. And we have to stop what we're doing and rebuke that when that happens. You know, we could talk about this all day, but, but then that would let the enemy steal the limelight and we're not letting him take that away. We're not letting Satan take away God's call to those he wants to save. It's important that we convey the love of Jesus. I mean, we could even get started on how, you know, his love is, how it just it flows through you. And many reject that love for the world. And if you felt his love and what it's like when it overtakes you and time just stops, you get a sense of who he is in that moment and nothing else matters. And when you call on him, you change, you start to change. You start to have less interest in the things of the world and the things of the world and the people who are very much part of it. You start to come away from that. You just, you, I can't explain it. Like, do you know what I'm talking about, John? Like, you know how you, one day you might be into something and then it's like, suddenly you just have no interest in it anymore. Like it doesn't appeal to you anymore. That's the best way I can explain yes, it. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. The things of the world become less um, appealing because the Lord's love and compassion and, and the mercy he shows you just overtakes you and you realize he's the only thing and that Jesus is the only person worth living for. Amen. And um, I think what's amazing is just like what you said, Ray, the Lord is angry at sin. 
but he reaches out to every individual with love and compassion because he knows that we're fallen people and he knows that we live in a fallen world. But he knows his ultimate purpose for the world is to bring restoration in the end and to bring restoration to lost and hurting souls while, the, while there is time. And yep. that's why Jesus took our punishment and our place on the cross because God loves us that much, that's even right. though we don't deserve it. That's right. So I know exactly Amen. what you're talking about. And he sends his servants, the prophets and the prophetesses, he sends us all out. And that, you know, what Glinda says, what I say, and now, you know, John, you're coming on, and which I appreciate. Uh, that's why he sends his servants ahead of time. Because whatever happened that some people, you know, they grow up, I think you had a word for an individual earlier, they go out, they leave home, you know, they grew up going to church, and they moved out, went out into the world, got jobs, got mixed up with the wrong people, whatever. And they were enticed. And, you know, he basically has to, the Lord basically has to rewrite everything that's wrong in our lives. And he can do that. He's, he's constantly working on all of us. We're all going to be refined until he calls us home. We're all being refined. That's right. Every single one of us. John, did you have anything more to add to the show today? Um, no, um, not really. Um, I, I do feel like, um, for the individual Ross, and again, this could be not only for Ross, but for all the listeners or anyone who listens to this podcast in the future. Um, Ross, I, I just feel strongly in my spirit that the Lord wants to emphasize to you one more time, please, like he's pleading with you, please turn away from this wrong relationship with this female, because if you don't, it will not end well. And the Lord does not want that for you. He wants you to turn to him so that you can have the future spouse that he has for you and so that you can fulfill the future calling that he has for you. The Lord says he's actually called you to the ministry. Um, he's called you to be a pastor, and he's also called you to be a prophet. But if you're not willing to turn away from this relationship with this female that he does not want you involved with, then you, you basically forfeit his calling until you repent. So the Lord is pleading with you, repent, Ross. Please repent, because if you don't, this is not going to end well. I don't know what's going to happen in the relationship, but from what I'm getting in my spirit, it's going to drag you down a terrible road, and the Lord does not want this for you. So please heed the Lord's warning, Ross. Again, he's reaching out to you in love. And I think on my end, Ray, that is all the prophetic words that the Lord is releasing me to share right now. He's not giving me anything else, so I will hand the show back over to you, sir. You know, in regards to what you just said uh, right there about that relationship with Ross, that girl, um, it's important to note that there are a lot of Jezebels out there right now. There are man Jezebels, but there are women Jezebels. And the women Jezebels, they will do anything to trap a man into a relationship. I have seen men in my personal life that I've known, friends of mine, who have been used for sex to entrap men for money. They'll even get pregnant to entrap men. And once that's all tied into it, it just makes it a big mess and it makes it super difficult to get free. So Ross, take what John is giving you from the Lord very seriously. Thank you, brother John. It's good having you here. Thank you very much, Ray. And thank you for having me on. I greatly enjoyed being a part of what the Lord's doing in your ministry and in, um, the, the body of Christ at large. It's been a great blessing today. Amen. It's been a blessing having you here. 
And ladies and gentlemen, uh, John uh, does not have his own site, so I know I'm going to answer that right now because I know many of you might be wondering if he uh, has a way you can contact him or if he uh, has a blog. He does not. However, that may be changing relatively soon in the future. However, I have told John he can come on any time he has any words to share um, in the meantime. So we'll probably be hearing more and, from him in the future. And I would be glad to do that, Ray. Anytime the Lord gives me any warning for the nation or any prophetic words to encourage the listeners, I would be more than happy to come on your show. Thank you so much for having me. It truly was a blessing. Thank you, John. Glenda, did you want to close us out? For those of us who believe in him, remember this. I know you feel apprehension. I know it makes you afraid sometimes. We all have some apprehension. But he has given us his word. He has given us his word to know the order of things to come. He has given us his word to know how to respond. He has given us his word to comfort us through these things. We have all we need to walk out our part in this. His spirit is in us. His word is in us. We just have to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps and keep walking, keep doing what's right until we get to go home. Many of us won't even see the evil to come because he will be merciful to us and call us home before that. And call us home does not mean a rapture. I don't know if there's a rapture or not. When I asked him about the rapture, he showed me the second coming. He can call us home any way he wants. He's God, y'all. But we know persecution is coming. Remember what Daniel did. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How did they act when they were taken captive by a foreign nation? And when they were made slaves and their names changed and everything else? Remember how they acted. They acted honorably. And God protected them, even to the fiery furnace. And he will protect you too, if, and only if, you stand up for what is right. I want to pray for the listeners. Lord God in heaven, we honor you today and we praise you and we worship you. And we thank you so much for all your help. I pray that you would touch each listener right now, Lord, wherever they are as they hear this message. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us great wisdom in this trying time that we are walking through. All nations will be affected when America is judged, not just America, but other nations as well. And I pray, Father, that you would remind us numerous times a day to intercede for the lost, for those we love who are still lost, but also for all those we don't know, because your heart is for them too. And I pray, Father, you would give us great boldness and courage like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego before they were thrown into the fiery furnace. They stood up boldly, Lord, and I pray you would give us that kind of faith. Empower us, anoint us for what we must walk through. May you get all the glory, praise, and honor. Help us to be strong, to glorify you, to witness to the very last breath that we have. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Ray, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast and sharing your wisdom and your knowledge and your revelation with the listeners. Would you like to give your contact information and your website for them? Thank you, Glenda. It's been great being here. And um, listeners can contact me by going to my about page at innocenceredeemed.blog. And if you scroll to the bottom, there is a contact form there you can use to reach out. And thank you, Prophet John, for sharing all the words for the unknown listeners the Lord gave you. I know those are invaluable to the listeners. Thank you, Glenda, for having me. It's been great to be here. You both are such a blessing and great friends to have in Christ. God bless you all. Watch and pray. Pray to be counted worthy to escape the things that are to come and pray that for your loved ones as well. Jesus bless you. Thanks for listening. Y'all have a great week. Thank you so much for tuning in today to Just Praise Him Radio. You can contact me by mail 
at my new address, JPH Inc., Glenda Lomax, P.O. Box 60, Glencoe, Arkansas, 72539, or by email at jphtoday at gmail.com. JPH is not affiliated with any nonprofit organization, church, or denomination. Have you heard? The 2016 and 2017 messages have been published in book form. Even those who do not profess a belief in God can see something is amiss in the world around us. What is coming for our world in these last days? What does the Lord want us doing while we're waiting for His glorious reappearance? Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night each contain approximately 200 prophetic messages and visions from the throne room of God telling what is coming to America and the world in these end times. The Lord has always warned nations when they were headed for destruction. He has always warned His own people. Are we also being warned? Get your copy of Time of Reckoning and Soon It Will Be Night, available now on Amazon.com. What is in store for the once great and mighty nation of America in these end times? What is the living God saying to the people of America now? What could possibly be in store for a nation that once trusted in God, but has changed its path from following in the living God's ways to now removing Him from everything and walking the other way? In the book, No Longer Mind, you will find all the messages to America collected in one place in chronological order. No Longer Mind, Messages to an Unrepentant Nation is now available in print at wingsofprophecy.com in the bookstore tab. Get your copy of No Longer Mind today. If you ask anyone you know what the most difficult experience of their life has been, many will answer about a time of betrayal. All those called to walk the narrow path will at some point encounter Judas. How will you respond? Do you know how to recognize Judas when he shows up in your life? Can you keep Judas from bringing destruction to your life and ministry? How can you minimize what Judas cost you? Can you pass the test of absolute betrayal? Get your copy of The Judas Test, available in print and new audiobook. The Judas Test by Glenda Lomax, available now on Amazon.com. Sold out for 30 pieces of silver? In Exodus 21:32, it is the price of a dead slave. In Leviticus 27, 2-7, it is the price of a live one. Jesus was sold for the price of a bondservant. Precious Jesus, the Son of God, the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, why did Judas sell his friend out so cheap?